Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash holybackboard. Over 180,000 titles for you to choose from on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Devalue DeAndre or something that makes sense with the player's name? It's lazy. It's like throwing gate on anything that's some kind of controversy. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 34th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live from Rip City, right after the Trailblazers Game 4 victory against the Los Angeles Clippers, and I got my man. Sage, just chilling. Uh, really excited about the guests we got, and I'm, I'm ready to get this started. We have a fantastic guest on tap tonight. You may know him on Twitter as Espo. His government name is Greg Esposito. He used to run social for the Phoenix Suns. I used to run social for the Portland Trailblazers. So we share one and the same. Espo, how's it going tonight? There's some kind of recovery group for us that we can join uh, now that we're out of the NBA and have uh, semi-normal lives. I think it's podcasting. I I think it is podcasting. Just being a fan (laughs) and enjoying the game. No longer having to stay up till 1 a.m. on playoff nights. Back at it at 9 a.m the next morning uh those days are over for myself and yourself as well and uh i don't know about you but i'm very thankful the the hours just did not add up it was so much fun but at the end of the day i need to live well see i never i never experienced those late nights on playoff games i just got them during a really bad season so i just working till 1 a.m when you're working for a team that uh Having the second and third worst seasons in franchise history was enough for me to uh, go. You know what? I, I have different life goals at this point. I'm good. I'm I'm gonna head in a different direction. Yeah. And how fitting is it that this is the 34th episode? Probably your favorite player of all time, Charles Barkley, wore the number 34. And uh, fun fact, uh, he was almost traded to the Trailblazers. He openly wanted to come to Portland. Uh, he had a little bit of a reputation at the time. The Blazers had a great five, six-man rotation. They wanted to keep it steady, and they passed on the deal. What happens? He goes to the Valley of the Sun. The next year, you guys go to the finals. He wins MVP, and to this day, even though it would have cost us probably Jerome and Duck, I wish we would have pulled that trigger because uh, I think we would have gave uh, Michael and Scotty a, a bigger run for their money in 92 and in 93. Fun fact, Charles Barkley is my favorite player also. Fun fact, nobody was giving uh, Scotty and Michael a run for their money. The Suns in 93 had the best record, the MVP, and they could only uh, go six games. Nobody was giving them a better run. I mean, yeah, that's why he's the GOAT. And um... and he could have been Portland's. Just wanted to remind you on that. So. Oh, <laughs> we're where we could have had Durant, too. But nights like tonight, they ease the pain just a little bit. Portland battles back from an 0-2 deficit. They take game three on Saturday night. They take game four tonight, 98 to 84, in a game that really was predicated on the defensive end of the court. Both teams shot the ball pretty poor. Portland goes 36 of 88, just 41%. But they held the Clippers to 30 of 84 shooting, 36%, in a game that Alan Crabb called the best defensive game of the year. Uh, Jason Quick was just on talking ball and said that, on the whiteboard before games, they always want to have the de- defensive rating 
per each quarter on that whiteboard. And the goal is to get it under 100 every quarter. The defensive rating for the four quarters was 77 in quarter one, 100 for quarter two, and 91 for three and four with an overall rating of 86. Yes, Chris Paul hurt his hand, and Blake Griffin was out with a, a quad at, the, I believe, the fourth quarter mark. But Portland played some fantastic defense, and I think that's really what won this won the game for him because Lord knows they tried to give the game to him with those 12 first-half turnover stage. I never root for injuries, but since they happened, I feel like the Blazers really have to take advantage of the Chris Paul, the Blake Griffin injuries. That game was... It was doubt. It was in doubt. Yeah, I didn't feel confident for at any point in time. It, it was oh, really just Jeff Green hit that three to end the third quarter. Just a wide open look. I turned to Olga and I was like, I don't know if we're going to win this game to be honest, because it was such a close game, and it's just those little plays that can determine whether your team wins or loses. And it felt like such a momentum boost for the Clippers. But to give Portland credit, Chris Paul wasn't out there, but they still kept attacking Espo. This could go one of two ways for Portland going into Los Angeles Wednesday night. They know Chris Paul is out. J.J. Redick is banged up. Blake Griffin is banged up. They <laughs> could either look past them and get blown out, or they could see blood in the water like sharks and go after them. For a young team like Portland, what do they need to do in Game 5? Well, look, I've been joking on Twitter that I'm a jinx because I'm a Suns fan. I've thrown the full support of Phoenix behind the Portland Trailblazers. And if this plays out anything like any of the Suns teams I've rooted for, they'll find a way to get too cocky in this situation and get run out of the gym with a depleted Clippers team. What they have to do is they have to keep the mindset that they're the underdogs and play with that edge. If they lose that, they're going to, they're going to put themselves in danger because this is a Clippers team with a lot of experience. Even even with Blake potentially out and Chris Paul likely out the rest of the playoffs, they still have a lot of guys who have been through this before. You cannot underestimate what that what that means for a team and what it means to have a coach like Doc Rivers. So they cannot overlook this Clippers team at all. They have to go in, stay hungry, and, and keep attacking. And it's going to be on, uh, as it has been most of the series, Lillard and McCollum. They're going to have to put the pressure on a backcourt that will be now likely Austin Rivers and JJ Redick. And they have to, they have to take advantage of it at every opportunity because you know what? I've seen the, uh, this plumly, uh, fairy dust before with Miles here in Phoenix and enjoy it while it lasts because I don't think it's going to be around for a long time and you can't count on him to have 14 to 20 rebounds and 10 assists in a game. You got to rely on that backcourt. They're going to have to get it done against a, a Clippers backcourt that now is at a deficit. Yeah, and you mentioned starting Austin Rivers. He's been playing pretty good defense. He had great games in Los Angeles. There's no reason to believe he won't continue to do that once he returns home. And he is a confident player, maybe cocky, maybe arrogant, but he still has a confidence towards him. So he's going to go in there and play like he knows he can get it done. And, you know, we started at Duke as a freshman, hit a game winner against North Carolina. This is really nothing new to him. The only difference, I think, is that Pablo Prigioni is now that backup point guard off of the bench for the Clippers. And their game plan really will not change. They're still going to attack Dame and CJ. And I think Portland got a little bit lucky tonight because Lillard and McCollum, while they exploded for 59 points in Game 3, they were held in check to just 31 points combined in Game 4. 
Dame had just 12 on 4 or 15 shooting, couldn't dial it from downtown, was just 2 of 8, did have 6 boards and 6 assists. McCollum had a better game, but he could not get open looks. 19 points on 6 of 13 shooting, 2 of 4 from deep, 3 rebounds and 2 assists. You would like that backcourt to get more than 28 shots combined, but you can tell that is the focus of this Clipper defense. Make Aminu, make Harkless, make Plumley, make Davis, Crab, Henderson, anyone not named Lillard or McCollum beat you uh, tonight. Those other players did. And about Austin Rivers. I talked a lot of crap about Austin Rivers as a player when he was in New Orleans. But there's one thing that dude can do, and he can play defense pretty well. He can't hit that open shot. If he's moving at all, it's going to miss. Like He can play some defense. All those people that just assume that he's trash, he can play some defense on you. And he, he showed a little bit that he, he played some pretty great defense in the in the third and fourth quarters. Yeah, Dame tried to go one-on-one on him a couple times, and it just didn't work. And that's not going to work going forward. Portland, when they're successful, they move the ball, they cut, as the great Steve Snapper Jones always said, ball movement, player movement. And that's no different. Portland could be playing a rec league team, and that's still the formula you're going to want to use to get it done in the playoffs. And the Trailblazers, while they, who knows, they might be favorites without Chris Paul, they're still going to have to win in their opponent's gym. And it hasn't been easy for them. That's been a recent house of horrors. Um, Espo, I know you can attest to this with the Suns. There are always just gyms that your team does not play well in. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... That happens a lot in this game, and there's no real explanation for it other than sometimes it's mental. And it, the Trailblazers are going to have to get over that hurdle if they want to win this series because mathematically they've got to win at least one in uh, Staples Center. So they're going to have to figure it out. It will be much easier if the basketball gods continue to kind of even things out for Farouk Aminu after, you know, a bad first game shooting. Apparently they looked kindly on him and, and Gave him some of those misses from that first game as a uh, makes tonight and with 30 points. He looked very good. They're going to need him to continue to play well because as you mentioned, the defense is going to focus on the backcourt and one of these bigs is going to have to make up that offense efficiency and, and hopefully Aminu can come up with that. Yeah. I thought the best sign of the night was Chief knocking down two three pointers to open the game. One, it got the crowd going. Two, I know it just got his confidence boosted. And what I loved is he just caught and shot. Like, there was no hesitation. And you mentioned it, 30 points. It is a career high for the Chief. Finished with 55% shooting from the field. Six of 10 from downtown. But he added in 10 boards, three assists, and three blocks. He was the best player by far tonight. And whenever Portland needed a bucket, the Chief delivered. And for Portland to win the series, Chris Paul or not, he is going to have to continue to make those shots because the Clippers are going to dare him to win the series. Sage, there was another player who we've criticized. We've been on this series. We even said he's on a milk carton. Uh, he's MIA. The crab. The crab got loose. Finally, AC looked like that free agent that teams are going to go after. To me, it's still Martel Webster because he can go one of two ways. You're either going to get hot crab or cold crab. Tonight, he was uh, sizzling. He had 12 points. Perfect five for five from the field and two of two from downtown. Like Aminu, all of his buckets felt like they were big momentum shifters for the Trailblazers. He's another player that I think has to get it going. And although Portland got outscored on the bench 36 to 23, Portland can live with that, I think, if they're going to get 12 points from Crab. I think Henderson will step up a little bit more. 
and Davis isn't going to miss the layups that he did in game four. So Portland's doing a better job of closing that bench gap. They'll never be the Clippers bench with Crawford and Green, but they are closing that gap. Well, when I when I saw Plumlee drive and then kick out to Crab for that open J and it was pure, that's when I knew that this is going to be a pretty good night for Alan Crab. When he's hot, that stroke's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful, and he's not thinking about it. And uh, Espo mentioned Plumley. This has really been the third straight game where he has just been fantastic. And I was talking to my buddies and and Olga during the game. Ed Davis was really struggling. I was like, we really got to get Plumley back in the game. Yes, you look at his offense, two points, one of six field goals. That's really not going to get it done. But the 14 boards, the three blocks, the 10 assists, the Clippers are going to continue to blitz Damon CJ. He is going to be the initiator of the offense as a center. And really, as long as the wings are going to hit the threes and a guy like Harkless is going to crash and he's going to pass for that dunk, you're going to put the Clippers in no man's land. Espo, if you're Doc Rivers, do you change your strategy of blitzing Damon CJ? Or do you continue to say, okay, Plumley, I want you to beat us with your decision-making from the high post? I think everything has to be on the table now if you're the Clippers because with Paul out and it looks like you're likely going to have uh, Blake Griffin out too, you're going to have to reconsider your defense, how your offense is going to run. And honestly, it'll make it easier on the bigs for for Portland whether they they blitz the, the guards or not because you're not going to have to work as hard on the defensive end with Blake not in there. So this changes the complete complexion for for the big men for for Portland, it's going to change their game uh, and make it easier on that offensive end because they're not going to be expending as much energy on the defensive end. And so you mentioned Blake Griffin. I saw a tweet that said he's about fifty fifty for Game Five with a left quad injury. And what was scary for the Trailblazers is he was five of sixteen shooting in Game Three, but he really started to find his stroke from the mid range. Even hit that buzzer beating three. Uh, in the second half to beat the shot clock, he ended up going uh, 6 of 15 shooting for 17 points, 7 boards. Although Portland did do a great job of challenging a shot, he got a shot sent back four times. But that is a major loss for the Clippers, even if he's 50%, 60%, 70%. Because they need Blake, if they are even to get past Portland, to look t- towards Golden State. They have more aspirations than just getting out of the first round. So they need Blake to keep going. If this is any sort of a setback, that is a major trouble in, in Hollywood. And if you're Doc Rivers, Espo, and Blake can't go or is limited, who do you even think of starting at the four? Do you go Jeff Green at the four to match Portland's small ball? Uh, yeah, I think Jeff Green's probably the likely answer. I mean, there's not there's not a lot of a lot of depth in, in terms of the big men for for the Clippers. And if, if I'm Doc Rivers right now, I'm wondering what is it going to take to break the curse of, of the Clippers? Because going into today, all anybody was talking about was, well, okay, now can the Clippers beat the Warriors without Steph? And, and is it a foregone conclusion that they're now going to be in the Western Conference Finals, likely against the Spurs? You look right now, and all of a sudden, the entire dynamic has changed. I was joking earlier today, you know, everybody around the NBA was treating the Portland Trailblazers like the Billy Baldwin, the Clippers Alec Baldwin. Well, now, I, you know, it's, it's completely shifted. Portland 
now looks like they're in the driver's seat, and the Clippers are just scrambling to try to figure out an answer how they can get out of the first round, let alone trying to book their ticket and, and making it uh, even in the discussion of being able to beat beat the Warriors. It is amazing how fast things have changed in a 24-hour period across the NBA and how much better it looks from from the Blazers' standpoint right now. Not only does it look much better in this series, but now you look, if they get past the Clippers, now it's going to make for a very interesting series against the Warriors as well. You said it perfectly. In not even a 24-hour, in maybe a 12-hour span, the NBA cycle, was the logo was flipped upside down. And you went from the Warriors being the odds-on favorite to, oh, is it going to be the Spurs? Whoever comes out of that Spurs OKC series, could LeBron finally win a ring for the Cavaliers? Oh, it was the Clippers. Now it's maybe the Trailblazers. I mean, that's the beauty of a seven-game series. It's not just one shot. You have to beat a team four out of seven times to prove you are the superior squad. And the Trailblazers need to believe that. They need to believe they are the better team. They need to believe that Chris Paul or no Chris Paul, injured Redick and injured Griffin, or no injured Redick and no injured Griffin, that they need to go and take a game. Because nobody would be, nobody feels sorry for the Clippers. And nobody would feel sorry for the Trailblazers if that would, if they would, you know, if the shoe was on their foot. Nobody felt sorry for us when we passed on Jordan, when we passed on Durant, and when Odin and Roy had injuries. Nobody felt sorry for you. I mean, that's the NBA. You, you go out, you play five on five with who's ever dressed. And they're going to have to continue to do the things they did in Portland, bring that crowd and that energy with them to Los Angeles. Because where they're winning this game is on the backboard. There's just a will and a want that this team has, and it's really showing up on the hustle board. Portland had 58 rebounds to Los Angeles' 42, killed them on the offensive glass, 16-10. to 10. And if you would have told me the Trailblazers outscored the Clippers in the paint again, this time 38-30, to 30, I would have said you're crazy. But this is a team without a low post score that's defending the paint and also not afraid to attack the paint as well. Look, and you need to win this next game because you never want to go into an opponent's gym in a seventh game. You want to take game five, come home for game six on Friday in your own building in front of your crowd and take care of business. You've got an opportunity to surprise the NBA world, do what nobody thought you can, take advantage of it now. Don't, don't overlook game five and, and bank on being able to win game six and seven. You got to take care of business then. I completely agree. And this series reminds me so, so much of that series Portland had in 2011 against the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas took the first two at home. Portland off pretty much off of Wesley Matthews' grit and determination, won game three. And then the Brandon Roy comeback of game four. I was certain they would ride that momentum of that off of that comeback and just take game five and game six. Didn't happen. Dallas regained control. Uh, Tyson Chandler was just a menace on the boards. And they took all the momentum that Portland had and just squashed it in one game. And that's all it took. And they won game six. Because if you coming back home 0-2 is a lot different than coming back home down 3-2. Because you know if you really lose game six, your season is over. You're in the Bahamas this next Monday. So the Trailblazers, I completely agree. They need to go out, and I think they have to win Game 5 if they are going to win the series because, like you said, historically, teams on the road do not win Game 7s. 
Uh, I want to say one other thing to to Trailblazers fans as well. Enjoy this ride because uh, as a Suns fan, I haven't seen it in six years. But also, this team reminds me a lot of the 48-win team the Suns had three years ago. And things can change so dramatically. You have uh, your feel-good story in the NBA, a lot of goodwill, really impressive career years from a lot of guys right now. Enjoy the ride because you have no clue what will happen a year from now, two years from now. This is, this is when it's good. This is when it's fun. This is, this is what your NBA fans for. So enjoy this ride because a lot of people in Phoenix would happily trade places with you, uh, for, for anything right now because we don't even know what that feels like. And you're, you're a hundred percent correct. Sage, what did we say before the series? I, we both predicted the Blazers would win, but I think that was more off of just optimism and a little bit of homerism. But at the end of the day, we said we would be happy if this series went six. Mm-hmm. We got blown out in the first two games. Very, very hard to take because you're starting to think, oh, would we have been better off with <laughs> a late lottery pick? Well, they come back and they show a lot of heart. You see what you've got out of Plumlee, your backcourt. Harkless is a keeper. Aminu steps up. And now all of a sudden, it's guaranteed to go at least six. Like you said, Sage, whatever we get now is gravy. Well, I, I have to co-sign with Espo because as a Pelicans fan, you know I wasn't thinking that we'd be in the lottery hoping that Jamal Murray could mesh with Drew Holiday. So, like Espo said, enjoy this time because anything could happen in the NBA. You didn't think that the New Orleans was going to be this bad, and they were. Oh, anything one, could happen. One word of advice. Don't sign a third point guard in this offseason. It doesn't <laughs> I think the Trailblazers are very well aware of that. Uh, 2001, we had a rolling best record in the Western Conference. We decided to bring in Rod Strickland when we already had Damon and Greg Anthony, and we fell to the seventh seed. So I think Neil Olshay uh, is pretty well adverse to that that scenario. So I think we're good on that that situation. And don't, but, and but, don't but, sign a new coach whose offensive schemes are really complicated. When you have low IQ players like Tyreek Evans. Exactly. So so what our guys are saying is rewatch the game as much as you can. Listen to this podcast, multiple occasions. We're here to get you hyped, give you all the information you need, and enjoy the ride. There is nothing better as a sports fan than playoff basketball when your team is in it. These past two home games, I'm telling you, Rip City, have been such a joy to go to. The energy in the arena is infectious. You're cheering on every single play. It is like nothing you have ever experienced before, and this is only the first round. Like I, like I said on the last podcast, 77 is the last time we won a ring. 92 is the last time we've been to the finals. 2000 is the last time we've been to the conference finals. This is, like Espo said, this is as good as it gets right mm-hmm. now. Enjoy the shit out of this, Portland. Did you hear the sadness in Espo's and my talks? It was, it was just sadness. I mean, oh. you guys are about to get like crying Jordan memes right now. <laughs> I'm very happy to be a, a new booty Trailblazers fan to experience playoffs. And the perfect time for the Blazers to make some money was this weekend. They come home, they tie up the series, and the biggest difference, I think, is JJ Reddick. He was lights out in Staples. This is the second straight game where he has been ice cold. Um, CJ has done a fantastic job of dying, denying him the ball. 
making him shoot off balance off of that one leg. His left heel is bruised, so the more you can make a move when he shoots, the better. He goes 8 points, just 3 of 13 shooting, and 2 of 8 from 3. He is the guy I fear most from the Clippers. You know Chris Paul, whether he was hurt or not, is going to get his. Uh, for the most part, you know what Blake and DeAndre were going to get. But JJ, he brings just an added element to that team, especially if he's shooting and scoring off of the curls. He just opens everything up. So with Portland playing such great defense on him, I think that is why they eventually took games three and four. And they're going to have to do it for games five as well. And six. And six. But uh, I mentioned DeAndre. Portland has done a fantastic job. Uh, he did get seven points tonight, but he's only attempted five field goals. Portland really limited the lobs this entire series. He did have 15 boards and four blocks, but he is not connecting at the foul line. One of six. My God, those two air balls were just so glorious. The whole Rose Garden Arena was just chanting air ball. He does not want any part of that free throw line. Espo, as a Suns fan, have you had a player that is just, you know when he steps to the line that he is not going to get it done? Yeah, Shaq. We had him for a <laughs> half, and you uh, you were well aware that that was not going to go in. It was uh, it was pretty bad. And obviously, he's where the hacker. Uh, reference came from and uh, slight tangent. Can we please do away with that? Hack a DeAndre doesn't make sense. I want like devalue DeAndre or something that makes sense with the player's name. It's lazy. It's like throwing gate on anything that's some kind of controversy. Or taking the first letter and the first syllable of the last name and calling it somebody's nickname. Yeah. It's well, just, I think you just made it a t-shirt. Devalue DeAndre. Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah, that's a, that's a hashtag and a t-shirt. All right, I, I expect royalties off that when you guys start selling them. Just to, oh, I, I thought it was going to be collaborative effort. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sage. I think it is time for some fan questions. All right. So, uh, one of our first guests, a longtime listener, Larry, uh, you might know him as at TV Pup Twenty Two, wants to know how do the Blazers react if Paul and Griffin are both out for Game Five? I know we touched on that a little bit, but. If you're in that locker room, if you're Terry Stotts, what do you say to your squad? Well, we've been through this before, underestimating teams, and it's bit us in the ass. We can't let this happen. This is the playoffs. we got to step on their throats and keep stepping on them. I'd, I'd take every clip that was on earlier today of everybody talking about the foregone conclusion that it was the Clippers and they, ha- and they had a chance against the Warriors and anything that was written – and I show them all that, and I say, look, you are still the underdog. Nobody believes in you, and you have to play like that. You have to fight like you have all year. And I'd even show clips going back to the beginning of the year where everybody thought Portland was going to be a bottom feeder in the Western Conference. They need to play with the same mentality that they've gone into every game with this year and scrap and fight for every loose ball, every bucket, and come in and play with a lot of heart because that's, that's the way you're going to win on the road in, in a game five like this and set yourself up for a chance in game six at home. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head, Espo. This this mantra for this team has been never doubt Rip City. They need to continue to play with that chip on their shoulder. The second they lose that chip is when the series is over because they are the underdogs and they have to play on that. Wesley Matthews embodied that for this Trailblazer team. He's not there anymore. So you've got to, you have to have guys like Damon CJ continue to champion that message that 
Nobody believed in us. You can look at the ESPN projections before the series. Uh, Israel Gutierrez was the only one that picked Portland to win the series. And like Espo said, when Steph Curry went down, what was the, what was the narrative? It was, oh, if, if the Clippers go up 3-1 against the Warriors, how much pressure is going to be on them if Steph Curry comes back for a Game 5? Nobody is giving this team a chance, and they can, they have to buy into that, whether that's realistic or not. And that's really what it's going to come down to is mental, because everyone in the NBA has talent. Everyone in the NBA can get buckets. But what separates the good from the great teams is the mental aspect of the game and the focus and the just the overall discipline of sticking to your game plan and sticking to your mindset. And if they can do that, we will see how just how good of a coach Terry Stotts is and just how great of a leader Lillard and McCollum can be. So that will be a very big game five, not just for this season, but moving forward. And if Portland can get that done, I mean, the, it's bright. The, ro- the roses are out, the rainbows are out um, in Rip City. But again, that is to be known uh, Wednesday night. Next question from one of our favorite listeners, A1 since day one, long story longer. She says, Cayman, I know he's a fan fave, but I've been irritated and wondering if he's keeping up with conditioning. Um, I think we know the answer, but the turnovers have got to stop. What is wrong with this guy? Well, <laughs> that's a very good one. I think that he thinks he's better than he actually is. He loves to dribble and can't. He thinks he's a really great passer when he's really all right. He he just thinks too highly of himself. I mean, he's he's old. He's been in the league for a long time. Well, and this isn't a revenge series for him either. He's got to play within his own game and understand what he's out there to do. Uh, you can't do too much when you're when you're an older player at the tail end of your career. That's that's out there to get a few rebounds and bang on some guys down low. That's that's what you're there for. Don't overthink it. Don't try to overdo things, especially when you're playing one of your former teams. Yeah, I would tell Cayman like I tell AC: catch and shoot. Do not dribble. Do not do anything else. If you're open, shoot the damn basketball. Because when he starts to dribble, it's a turnover. He is a walking turnover machine, and yeah, he's a fan favorite. I still haven't wrapped my mind. How? I don't know. I don't know, Sage. I mean, we have to ask Rip City why. Why is he a fan favorite? But he got a couple open looks tonight. They just didn't drop. However, they're going to have to drop if Portland's going to really win this series uh, just because of the way the Clippers are defending the Trailblazers. So Portland needs to hope for a better Cayman in Game 5. Uh, that wrapped up the fan questions. Sage, what is your X factor going into Wednesday night? I think the X factor has to be our young backcourt. Like I've said before, it's stars and culture. Well, those are our two stars, so they got to they got to come up big for us to win. Yeah, I think it's probably an fu mentality. That's you've got to come out with that, and that backcourt has to, especially. You need to see these guys come out with with a a certain kind of of anger and and angst about Game Five, where they just stick it to to L.A. early and often in that game. Yeah, for me, it is going to be the point guard. We saw Chris Paul come out. And while none of the other Clippers had it going, he scores 12 of the first, he scores LA's first 12 points, made it look pretty easy, kept LA in the game early. However, he just got four points the rest of the way, was limited to just four assists, but he did have three steals. He is likely out. How does Portland get production, not only from Lillard and McCollum, but how do they stop the Clipper offense? Because we all know in playoff basketball, defense wins championships. 
these two games in Portland, they've held Los Angeles to 84 points in Game 4 and 88 points in Game 3. Um, so point guard plays one, two, keep it under 100. I just gave you the defensive statistics. If they can keep it under 100, Portland's likely going to win the game. Uh, I do think the Blazers are going to continue to shoot the ball well or shoot the ball well enough if they're playing that type of defense. Um, Mo Harkless is going to have to continue to just do the little things. I really liked what he gave us tonight. 12 points on 5 of 8 shooting, 7 boards and 2 steals. He is just always around the rim when Portland needs him, and that's why Portland had a great opportunity to win Games 3 and Game 4 is off of that, you know, second look. You know, if you're look, if thinking of a quarterback who has his three reads on an offense off of a passing play, Plumlee is essentially Portland's quarterback. Harkless has been the second or third read a couple times, but he crashes that baseline and he's wide open, taking advantage of the Clipper defense. More of that will open up the defense for the Trailblazers. And lastly, three-point shooting. Portland goes 13 of 31 for 42%. Clippers 7 of 25 for 28%. Harping on the 15 three-point mark. They didn't quite get there tonight, but I'll take 13. If they get 13 to 15 threes in game five, I think three-pointers more than anything in, in the entire realm of basketball, quite a crowd more. And they're going to need to do that in game five. Take the crowd out of it. It's already a subdued Los Angeles crowd. If Paul and Griffin aren't playing, they could be even quieter. Hit some threes, jump out to a nice first quarter lead, and just play defense the rest of the way. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I've downloaded over 150 audiobooks from Audible. I absolutely love the service. Listening to an audiobook, for me, is just part of my daily routine. I listen to it when I drive, when I play video games. To get your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash holybackboard. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash holybackboard for your free audiobook. Hey, it is 11.58. It's almost my birthday. Is it your birthday in two minutes? Two minutes, it's my birthday. So the Blazers, so not only did the Blazers give me an early birthday win, but I tweeted the picture to one of my coworkers of a hot dog. Uh, Charles is a huge hot dog aficionado. He tagged the business that I ate it from, and the business was like, sweet, the Blazers win, next hot dog is on us. So I'm going to meet them before game six on Friday, get myself a free hot dog. So free hot dog, Blazers win, best early birthday present I could ever think of. But uh, before we wrap up this podcast, Espo, like you mentioned earlier, it has been a whirlwind past 24 hours in the NBA. How does this news of Steph Curry being out at two weeks before being reevaluated, how does that affect the landscape of the Western Conference? I don't know. I have to go to Audible and see if they have any anatomy books because I'm not a doctor, but mm-hmm. I would like to learn more about what uh, what's really going on with Steph because I find it hard to believe that if they're just reevaluating him in two weeks, that he'll that means he'll be able to go fully back into basketball activities at that point. We don't even know when he'll be available to play again. So it completely changes the entire complexion of of the playoffs here, not just the Western Conference, but going into the finals as well. If you're Cleveland, if you're San Antonio, all of a sudden things start looking a lot better. And you never want it to come because of injury. But if you're these guys, if you're these other teams, all of a sudden the clouds have parted, the sun is shining, and you've got a legitimate shot 
at, at winning a title now. Now, granted, if you're Cleveland, you know how that's going to end. Somebody's going to slam the door shut in your face in the most painful way possible. But if you're San Antonio, all of a sudden, things are looking a lot better. Who do you think has the most to gain? You mentioned San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and Cleveland. I think those three are the biggest. You don't want to say anybody's a winner, but those three have the most to gain after this news. Because like you said, as a, as a Blazer fan, being reevaluated after two weeks, that means nothing. He's yeah. probably not going to be ready to play. That just means, oh, he might be a week away after we took a look at it. Um, so there's no guarantees. He is likely going to be out for all of the conference semifinals. So of those three teams, who is waking up tomorrow morning thinking, okay, we really have a shot at this? Well, I think it helps Oklahoma City the most because if they go into, uh, they're going into a tough series against San Antonio. If they find a way to come out of that, you know it's going to be it's going to be brutal. It'll likely be seven games if they come out of it. it. And knowing that they'd be going into a series against the Warriors that either is without Steph or with a, a Steph that's trying to find his rhythm again, that's a lot better than going through this grueling series with San Antonio and then having to take on the juggernaut that is the Warriors. It's it's an imp- impossible task for them at that point. But now things look a little bit better if they're able to get past San Antonio. Yeah, I completely agree because you anytime LeBron laces them up in the Eastern Conference, history tells us, pencil them into the NBA Finals. This doesn't affect the Cleveland's path to the NBA Finals. I think it is Oklahoma City as well, just because that could now be the de facto conference finals between the Spurs and the Thunder. And if you come out on top, you're really going to be chomping at the bit. Um, hopefully they'll be facing Portland, but again, <laughs> that is putting the cart before the horse, as they say. We still have to take care of business, but I do think it is Oklahoma City. And it's not even this season. It's looking in the future. If you're the Thunder and you're a fan, you make the finals, you've almost guaranteed Durant to, to, to lock in with you long-term. Now, if you get decently through the conference finals, he might do the one-year deal with, or the, excuse me, the two-year deal with the player option after one year. But then you're looking at Russell and KD being unrestricted free agents in the summer of 2017, and that could be very dicey. So the Thunder have the most to gain and the most to lose. Speaking of losing stuff, do you think if the Clippers don't advance, they're going to break up that team? I don't I, for me, I don't think so now because of the injuries. Because now you have a built-in excuse. Yeah, you have that excuse. Well, you didn't move any further. Is it a possibility? Yes, depending on what kind of offers are out there. Who knows if you know they're tempted by some kind of a Carmelo, you know, deal or something. There, there's always the chance that they get tempted into into making some kind of move. But now with these injury excuses, they can go. You know, we we need to run this back at least one more time. We weren't at full strength, so it's not really a. a good indication of what we could do yeah the injury gives them a big out and they also don't have a lot of assets they gave up a first round pick to bring in doc rivers and they traded another first round pick to get jeff green when they shipped lance stevenson off to memphis so it's not like they have a ton of assets on that bench to get another missing piece because to get that missing piece you're gonna have to trade deandre or blake and that weakens you just as it does bring so it's almost like uh it's a lateral move Mm. so it'll be tough i agree with espo the injury does give them 
another chance to go one more run it back. But then after that, you're looking at Memphis Grizzlies territory where you probably should have blew, blew it up a little bit earlier. I think we're already at that, at, at that territory with this team. This was their window. And if I'm them, deal a guy like a Blake before we see him fall off the cliff, like you saw with guys like Amari Stoudemire, Sean Kemp, these athletic talents. They only they only have such uh, X amount of shelf life, and I think we're getting to that point with Blake with these injuries and just just him in general. You're running out of that athletic big man time. He's also, uh, I believe, on only under contract for two more years too. So you got to take that into consideration. This is really, I think, a make or break series for the Clippers, and Portland has to play with that desperation that urgency in game five they have to want it more than the clippers you could tell by watching both game three and game four portland wanted it how much did the fans have to do with that selfishly i want to say at least a lot because it was loud it was two of the most boisterous games i've ever been a part of my ears are ringing my voice is a little bit shot and i've yelled like i haven't yelled in quite some time they're going to have to find a way to bring that energy with them, play with that chip on their shoulder in Los Angeles. Because like you said, Espo, mathematically, they must win in Staples Center. Sage, Game 5, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., KGW and NBA TV. Are we coming home up 3-2? I think so. I think that they will come out like sharks and get this W. Espo, what are your thoughts on Game 5? I think we're going to get a very close game, and I think that I hate to say it, and actually maybe it's good since I tend to be a jinx. I think that <laughs> that the Clippers will pull out a close one just based on having having that experience on that roster and and a coach like like Doc Rivers. I I think they wind up winning a close one, but like I said, I'm very much a jinx, so Portland should be very happy about that. Yeah. When we did our preview, our playoff preview podcast, I predicted Blazers in six. Well, for that to happen, Portland has to win game five. So by virtue of that, I was going to go Blazers in, Blazers to win game five before I heard the Chris Paul news. I think that only benefits Portland. And this is where, so I've got the Blazers winning, but this is where Terry Stotts earns his money. He's also going to be, you know, his contract's up. So he's up for a big raise. This is going to be where he earns his money. Can he get this team to just focus in on the task at hand? And I can't wait to watch, but I think they're going to do it. And we're going to come home for game six on Friday night, up three to two. We're going to continue to, you know, produce podcasts for you after each game. If you like what you're hearing, please give us that five star rating on iTunes. You can subscribe on Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Holy Backboard. Uh, before we sign off, I want to say, Thank you once again to Espo for joining us. Um, it is 12.07 p.m. a.m. Uh, Tuesday morning on my birthday, and we're out here delivering the content. Espo, let our fans know where they can find you on social and what you're up to. Yeah, you can find me at Espo on uh, Twitter, at the Espo on uh, Instagram. And also I am running uh, – I'm doing freelance writing for a couple sites, but I am running – my own site, uh, nocharacterlimits.com. I have a podcast there and a blog. Talk sports, talk social media, talk uh, a little pop culture. It's uh, kind of everything that, that I'm into and uh, should have a new 
episode of the podcast dropping uh, late Wednesday night talking some uh, Arizona sports and some uh, national sports as well. All right. Thank you once again, Espo, for joining us. Thank you again to Sage for producing this awesome podcast. Uh, it's about time to uh, peace out, but not before we celebrate another Trailblazers victory. Hopefully the next time we're coming to you, it will be up 3-2. Keep the faith. Keep believing. And as Espo says, enjoy this ride. Let's go, Trailblazers. Thanks, bro. Let's go.